Hello everybody and welcome to episode 118 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. Rod Murray's my name and what matters on this episode is innovation in professional golf and whether going back to the future might be the way forward. If you listen to this podcast, it's likely you were at least aware of the existence of the inaugural Sandbelt Invitational just before Christmas, a novel golf event that shamelessly focused, shamelessly focused all of its energy on, wait for it, the golf. In a world where the vast majority of tournament organisers would consider that a bold move, did it work? What was the feedback from players and spectators, back-of-house staff, and importantly, what might be the future for a tournament that most agree is, in concept at least, intriguing? Well, when you want answers, you go straight to the source, and that's what we'll do today when Tournament Director and State of the Game co-host Mike Clayton joins to explain all that and more. Now, because we know that tournament directors can be evasive, Mm. I've called in my co-host Jeff Shackelford to help with the grilling. Shack, looking forward to chatting to Clates about what unfolded last week. I was there, so I'll have some thoughts and a bit of input as well, but he'll be doing the heavy lifting this week, which is always a nice thing. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. No, I can't wait to hear about it and hear how your parking was and, and all that good stuff. <laughs> There's a story about that. And the, to the man himself down in Melbourne with a oh. couple of days under his belt to reflect on how things went, columnist, critic, commentator, one third of the Clayton DeVries and Point architecture firm, Mike Clayton. Clayton, you'd already be deep in planning for the 2022 event, no doubt. That's how these things work. Work starts on next year's tournament as the flag comes out of, of the 18th green on this year's event. Yeah, there's no more depressing place than a golf course that's hosted a tournament <laughs> on the Monday after yes. the tournament when they're just pulling everything down. And Not that there was anything to pull down, but it was, um, it was definitely fun to put it on and see how it went. Yeah, indeed. It's funny you should say that. It really is quite brilliant. It's amazing how quickly the infrastructure takes six months to put up all the grandstands and stuff at a tournament. It takes about 10 minutes to pull the whole thing down by the look of it. By the time Monday afternoon comes around, you'd never know the tournament was there. Uh, what is the knee-jerk reflection, Clates, about the week? You've had a couple of days to think about it. It's been Christmas, of course, so you've no doubt been busy with other stuff. But having had a week to kind of ponder it, what's your, what's your early thoughts on how things went? I think people liked it and the concept of four courses worked it wasn't too onerous on any one of them if you take a tournament to a course for a week it's a big disruption for the members but one day seemed not too bad um the players liked it brady watt loved it he made thirty thousand dollars as the winner's check which was nice for him and won a four-round tournament which was nice as well and he he won a four-round tournament the kids loved playing with the with the pros uh, there was one little girl, Amelia Harris, who was 13, who was playing with Richard Green, the, who won the Dubai Classic one year. Uh, good player, you know, very solid European tour player for a long time. And, you know, I mean, she'd probably never heard of him, but she was really good. I was amazed at how good she was. She, she shot 74, 76 the last two rounds. And even she shot 86, 82 or 84 at, Raw Melbourne and Kingston Heath. He'd never played Raw Melbourne. On, as Jeff said, it was both courses were like Australian Open Sundays in terms of how fast the greens were and a bit of wind and how hard they were and so forth. So that was really the idea for you know someone like that who's a 13-year-old player who might turn into a really good player. You know, the chance for her to play with better players and see how they prepare and what they do and kind of measure her game up against other people was... Well, that's really the idea of Jeff's foundation is to... You know, he despairs a bit at the, the systems here and wants to just get players back to playing with each other and learning how Australian players always learn, which was playing with players who are better than you are and watching how they did stuff. 
So we grew up watching Peter Thompson and Billy Duncan, Kel Nagel and Bob Shearer and Graham Marsh and David Graham and learning from them. And really Jeff's plan is to kind of create that situation again and but, but, but have the kids play with the best players in competition. So, you know, the, the crowds were nothing amazing, but certainly not big, but they were decent and they enjoyed walking on the fairways. The, the courses were, you know, you could... You could argue they were four of the best ten courses pro golf visited this year. Royal Melbourne, Kingston Heath, Yarra Yarra and, and Peninsula. In, in fact, you could argue that they were four of the best, best five. five <laughs> but, um, Not quite, but yeah, um, indeed. They're just they not great. That, yeah. Yeah. And the clubs were fantastic. They're easy to deal with. You know, nothing was a problem. So, so it went pretty well, really. Everyone was on board, which I think was important. You mentioned 13-year-old Amelia Harris, quite amazing. Shaq. Clates walked up to us. I was waiting to actually chat to Amelia because she was the youngest player in the field. And then I was going to chat to Peter Fowler, who was the oldest player in the field. Just a little bit of a colour wow. piece about the thing, right? Amelia's 13. Fowler's 62, I think, Clates. Yeah. Pete Fowler. Yep. Anyway, Clates walks up to us on the fairway while we're standing there waiting for him. And he says, Have you seen this 13 year old kid play? She doesn't miss a shot. <laughs> Which ended up being my lead for the story. But I, what I was impressed with about her, she plays off one at the age of 13 at Yarra Yarra. That's, that's not mucking around. That is some good guy. I don't care what tees you play off. Uh, that was really good. I, I got them together afterwards, Clates, and I said to um, Pete, have you got any advice for Amelia? And he spent about 10 minutes giving advice because he's been playing the game his whole life. I said to her, have you got a question that you might ask Peter Fallon? This is the most impressive thing she did all week. She said, yeah. How do you, like, control your emotions and all of that when you hit a bad shot? And it might be the most important question of Clayton since she'd already asked it at the age of 13. Yeah. Chook's response was quite funny too. His face well, broke yeah, into a huge smile. And he, his, his initial answer was, well, I've got an aggressive streak too, so I know <laughs> what you mean. His answer was fantastic. He said, once you get on the golf course, there's only one question any time you're near the ball, and that is that the ball's here and it's got to be there. How do I do it? And anything beyond that is wasting energy and you can't afford to waste energy in tournament golf, which I thought was fabulous advice, which will subconsciously seep in there. And she'll remember that at some point at a key time and it'll be handy. That was a real reflection, Clates, of the – sorry, Jeff, did you join? No, I did, could you just, for, for people listening, just uh, <clears throat> refresh our memory on the setup, uh, the format, and how you dealt with the different age groups and tee boxes and different sexes and all that stuff? Okay, so we the scores were relative to par, so we changed the par at Royal Melbourne and Yarra Yarra to seventy. So the oh, short here we go for the men the par. Yeah. So the short par fives at Royal Melbourne, which and Yarra Yarra, all of which were or are essentially driver eight irons for the for the guys. They're all just you know they're not even long par fours anymore. Uh, Kingston Heath, where the women played. The first and seventeenth. I was two long par fours for the men. Off the men's teasers, par four, par fives, par seventy four, and Peninsula was seventy one for the men, seventy three for the women. So, uh, and, and we lengthened the course, the, the women's course out from. I mean, the average women's course here is six thousand four or five hundred meters, and we moved it out to about. 5,008 or 900 metres. So they kind of played off the front of the men's tees on most of the holes. And that was difficult because the greens were difficult. I mean, no, it was huge. They, they were hard and fast and yeah. tricky and it was, you know, as I, as I said before, it was, it was Australian Open Sundays, which mm. the clubs kind of can't help themselves. And 
Um, every day was Sunday pin placements too, really. So, so there, were, there were lots of difficult pins, and so it was it was difficult for the for the for the pros, really. I mean, Brady shot Brady White, who one shot ten under the par, which was two eighty three for the men, which was pretty good. You know, it was yeah. about, I think it was, it was very six, good golf. I thought, yeah, I, I think it was sixteen under. What what would have been the regular par? Yeah, you so, had to play um, very good golf to do it, though, Clayton. And I, I think how many finished under par over the thirty pros in the field? I think twenty something of them would have been men. Four or five under par at the end. Four of the week? or five, yeah. Grace Kim was the leading woman. She yeah. was maybe one over, I think. Yeah, she played pretty well. Sue Sue O was maybe four or five, three over, I think, in the end. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the courses were difficult in terms of how they played. The women's length was slightly shorter than LPGA, but as Suo said, the only courses, the only course we would play more difficult than these during the year is the US Open, mm. so which kind of showed that length was not that critical, but how difficult the greens were, were was super important in terms of how they scored. Was it the firmness in particular? The greens were quick, but it, they just looked super firm, which in particular for the women, I thought, probably made it more difficult than for the blokes. Yeah, which is why, I mean, I did the pins that I had more input into the pins at Peninsula than uh, than the others, and they were mostly at the back where, where they could bounce the ball in and didn't have to come in over the bunkers and stop it. But, you know, there were some some of those pins at Royal Melbourne over the bunkers. I mean, mm. I mean, the guys can't stop it, so the girls have got no chance. And it's, yeah, coming in with, with so, you know, you know the, the, the conditions were yeah. super difficult for the women especially. And it blew too. The wind at Royal Melbourne on the second day was not easy. <laughs> Same with Kingston Heath actually on the first day. There was no shortage of breeze about it, was there, Clades? In fact, it would have been... Had it been Sunday of the Australian Open at either of those courses, I think you would have seen carnage. You would have seen people going backwards on the leaderboard in a hurry, wouldn't you? Sure, carnage. I mean, it wasn't one of those terrible north wind days where you'd see proper carnage. But, yeah, the scores wouldn't have been great. No. Very easy to make big numbers and not easy to make birdies to sort of make up for it. So Anything under 70 would have been a really good score. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because it's so, it's so hard to get the ball near the hole. You play Royal Melbourne and... You know, it came up a couple of times when Stacey Lewis played the Australian Open there. She said, Royal Melbourne doesn't reward good shots, which was true. It only rewards great shots. And what's classed as a good shot on the LPJ Tour is that you take a six iron and in no wind and a soft green, land the ball 10 feet from the hole and it stops there. And that's reward for a good shot. Same shot at Royal Melbourne is often 30 or 40 feet away. And that's as good as you can do because you've got to land the ball in the right place with the right trajectory and then can sort of have try and control what it does after it hits the ground, which is super difficult because the greens are hard and fast and the wind just and, and the slopes and the contours all conspire to take the ball away from the hole very often. So to hit a six-iron shot to 15 feet at Royal Melbourne or Kingston Heath on a day with any breeze is a, some sort of achievement. Or possibly an accident. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, some, something hasn't gone quite quite right. Uh, uh, overall, Clay, I imagine you've spoken to a fair few of the players. Have there been any uh, – the setup thing in particular, I think, as Shaq was intimating, it, that's awkward, isn't it? It's an awkward – I don't know what the right answer is about that, adjusting pars or tees or those sort of things. Do you think that's right? Do you keep fiddling with that? How do you get that right? What did the players say to you? We've seen this at the Vic Open where the women quite often feel they've been – 
that the course for them is playing much harder than the men's course is playing for the men. And you probably can make that case in some Well, that's some true, instances. but the problem with golf is that you want the men's co- you want the men to be playing the way the women play. Not the other way around. Not the other way around. what we try to do, yes. You know, you don't try and dumb the men's game down so the women can score the same. You try and, well, it's drinking game, you try and fix the ball so the men are not hitting wedges into every hole. And it's, you know, it's remarkable how far. It always constantly amazes me how holes that I played as a kid that were considered long par fours are just routinely driving short irons now. And... You know, the, the the key is to fix the men's game up, not not to compromise the women's game. So they're hitting wedge into every hole as well, which they do on the LPGA as you often as you yeah. point out, sort of wow. yeah. more than once. That taps into something bigger, doesn't it, Jeff? The way we view the game and the LPGA feeling that if their players aren't shooting twenty under every week in tournaments on the LPGA, they're going to be seen as somehow lesser. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a strange thing this year we saw with the setups. Uh, it obviously geared towards making birdies, especially at the majors. And I, I, I somewhat understand the argument. Um, but as we know, when it becomes a birdie fest, uh, it flips the other way and loses its uh, edge and sense of, of a championship in a way, even though we know it takes great golf to, to be making all mm-hmm. those birdies, even set up easier. There is something about that that tournament that finds that balance of of difficulty but allows a good player to to score and uh yeah i thought they went way too far this year uh, in that direction hoping to um i guess change perceptions of the women's game or respond to a certain article in print i i really don't know what the thinking was but i uh i thought it was was uh, disappointing but i understand i understand too it's a the, the the disparity I think between the women at the top and and the bottom who are in a tournament field is a little bit greater than it is with yeah. the men. I think the men have been yeah. really brought closer together. So the setup job uh, in, in women's golf is so difficult, and then the pace of play, and now they're having the same issues uh, as more women are hitting it longer. That they have more backups on par fives and drivable fours, uh, just like the men. So they're now having. And they weren't fast to begin with, so they're having even greater uh, speed of uh, play issues. And, and so setting up out there is really, really not a fun job. Could you argue that the disparity between the top and the bottom in the women's game is largely caused by not playing more difficult courses and forcing the ones at the bottom to actually get better? Could be. Can, you know, That's a longer-term solution, though, Clay. It's not going to solve the problem for 2022 season, no, is it? That's no. the... The issue with that. I mean, that. the best, yeah, the, the best, well, the most compelling women's tournament of the year had to be the US Women's Open, didn't it? At yep. Olympic. Yeah. Which was difficult, and but but not unreasonably so, and it was compelling golf, and, you know, we saw Lexi collapse, and, um, you know, the playoff was great. The, the Yuka Sasso and Nasa Hadaoka, were there two yes. in the playoff, I think? You know, it was terrific golf, and, and it was a really good balance between you know, good play and, and a testing course and interesting competition, which didn't cross the line into being just a no. U.S. men's open, hack it out of the rough, you know, Oakmont six over par wins, so, uh, wing, wing foot six over par wins horror story. 
Just just to go on down a sort of a rabbit hole, Shaq, why do you think – I've often wondered where this notion comes from that people want to see birdies no matter how easy they are to achieve. It's a it's an interesting idea and it's a dangerous idea in some ways. It seems to fundamentally misunderstand what golf is. Where do you reckon that idea is coming? We hear it – I think we hear it more these days than we used to. People want to see birdies. You've got to give people birdies. Where do you reckon that comes from? I just think the the idea that when you go out to a tournament that you get roars and you get a buzz of of positive things happening and people who uh, mean well but maybe don't fully understand uh, now want to see tournaments air on the side of that and they've seen too many setups uh, take it right to the edge and backfire. So I get all of that. Uh, it's just that when you go out to a golf tournament and I, and I do understand when it's like a funeral out there and nobody can make a birdie, it's not much fun to watch. Um, but when you actually spectate and and really watch what people react to, it's, it's, uh, and I know I've broken record here, but it's, it's the ball moving and it's the ball the control of the ball, the way the players are able to make it stop in places where, the person watching knows they ha- they could never do that. Uh, it's not the distance. It's not necessarily the birdies. It's the it's it's seeing what they do with the ball that's so different than the rest of us. Uh, and and in even even old jaded people like Clates and I can go out to a tournament and see a player do that do things with the ball still and be in awe. Uh, and so that is universal who that appeals to. But um, the other problem too, though, Rod, is that uh, we we play a lot of golf courses, even with all the the drainage systems and everything going underneath on underneath the greens, uh, that still tend to be green and soft, or or we go to places hosting majors at at times of year where they get a lot of rain, and so there's only so much you can control uh, as well, and that's part of the uh, the issue too. And there's really no way around it um because the the these the majors at least are kind of set uh traditional tournament dates uh, although some of them i think are in the wrong dates but uh, that's another rat hole yeah, yeah. weather hmm. weather is something you can't control in golf clades you've no doubt over the course of your professional career complained about more than one pin what was it like to be on the other side of setup on sunday at peninsula did you do any second guessing of where your pins and what did you think about as I wouldn't say former player, but as a former tournament player, what were the things that you were thinking about as you went and had more input into the pins on the last day? Because there were some pins on the first three days that were really, really, really difficult. Yeah, well, the, the women could play them and the kids could play them a little bit. And uh, certainly at Peninsula Kingswood's case, the, the chance to use pins they don't probably use often enough. There was a there's a great little pin on the right of the 12th that we used and left of 14 when you can use the slope to s- steer the ball down the hill toward that pin you don't actually have to fire it you can play 20 feet right and use the slope and kind of run it down to that hole so that was a fun shot to watch but you know we and we made sure we didn't use that far left pin at the sixth at Royal Melbourne so the fourth in the President's Cup you have to you know the big dog leg right hole at Royal Melbourne not use that pin over the bunker because if you you know you, you get in the back bunker you can't keep it on the green you get in the front bunker you can see a 13-year-old girl having 10 to get out of there yeah. if she got stuck in there. And, and it's a kind of almost a crazy pin anyway. So we didn't use it. There were a couple we didn't use, but you know, I thought they worked out pretty well, really. Yeah. And it was fun to watch the, 
as one example, to watch the, the back right pin at the fifth Royal Melbourne, the par three. You can see the um, flight of the ball coming in. The, the, the lower shots that landed just over the front of the green, kicked all the way to the back, and then turned around on that slope and ran back towards the hole. A couple of guys did that, and they were, it was so much fun to watch, as opposed to just watching the ball hit the green and stop. You know, so once the ball hits the green, there's, there's almost... It's just starting. <laughs> you know, it feels like there's 20 seconds of, yeah. what's this ball going to do now? Yeah. yeah. And the perfect shot's kind of landed, got to the little, the, you know, the backside at the back and then turned around and turned back towards the hole. And it's kind of really fun to watch that stuff happen. Yeah. So quick shout out to Kari Webb, who holed it from the back bunker to that pin on the sixth at Royal Melbourne West in an Australian Open close. And she, I think, says that it might be the best shot she's ever hit as well. I think Jeff did it in a promo video too, didn't he? But it wasn't exactly tournament conditions. He did. He did and uh, with a hickory club, if I'm not mistaken. With a hickory but- club. And Ernie else. Made an eight from the same bunker after <laughs> after having a wedge into the green. Yeah, that's. I think that's why Kari might consider it her, the best shot she ever hit. Uh, yeah. Sort of, uh, sort of in a in a tournament. Shaq, from the outside, the, the first question everybody asked about this tournament was: uh, Is it going to be on TV? Where can I watch yeah. it? From the outside, were you trying to follow? And what was that experience like? All of this stuff's internal, isn't it? We were at the course, Clay tonight. We could walk walk out and watch the golf and. Do all those sorts of things. Did you get a chance to follow along much? Had it been on TV, would you have followed more? What was yeah. the outside experience like? Yeah, we're so spoiled now with everything on television that that trying to watch via Twitter was uh, not much fun. I mean, you just can only yeah. see so much. And uh, you just realize how much we're spoiled by the incredible visuals and, and replays. And then if, we, if you miss a shot, it's usually posted on social media and – so it, um, but even, yeah, even a, a rudimentary broadcast would be amazing. Even if it just covered, if it was old style and it just covered the last five holes or something, um, it would, it would be, uh, it would be great. It would be, especially with those courses and this time of year and, uh, there wasn't anything else going on and, and, uh, we have a thirst for, I think, um, I mean, I think. My interest in this was obviously uh, because because we know Clates and Jeff, but um, I I do think that the fall has kind of reiterated, and I I need to put some of the things together. But as soon as the regular tour events ended, uh, the silly season events, at least if you go by television ratings, uh, and, and it's hard to count the Tiger event, but um, uh, did very well. The Shark Shootout got really good ratings, and I I just think there's an appeal. To uh, events that are not the the stock normal thing, and then we have this crossover element where it was really neat having. Obviously, Lexi has played the Shark Shootout before, but still seeing her play it, and then Nelly Corda and her dad playing in Tigers tournament. They managed to show them, you know, a few times. Uh, <laughs> and I understand they got to show Tiger and Charlie, but if it were a normal year, um, they would have shown them more because that's such a great addition to that event, and. Um, and I think the whole crossover element, I mean, we know we've talked about it, the President's Cup, the bringing back the old JCPenney Classic. I mean, we've just beaten it to death. And you see people commenting on social media. They'd love to see more of it. And, and uh, you know, the people in charge, just they just can't, they can't do it. It's not a priority to them. It doesn't make them more money. So ultimately, they don't really um, – I don't think it's, it's uh, high on their list of things. Plus, they're dealing with other issues at the moment too. 
Interesting, isn't it, Clay? Yeah. Doesn't that point directly to what this tournament is about, what I said right at the opening, that it was focused solely on the golf. Can that be a successful business? After a first year, uh, what was your sort of thoughts about? At professional golf, tournament golf is a business, Clay. It's, it's got to be able to sustain itself, doesn't it, if not make a profit? Yeah, it does. Yeah, and it was it was about the – I mean, just foundations about the kids. So it was about – Watching, you know, helping the kids. It was about watching good golf on great courses. So that's, that's the question. Is it sustainable? I mean, do people want to support it? And we had some this year from the local government who gave us some money to play for, which was great. And it's a good promotion for the sand belt. And it's, you know, it's... Um, but you don't needs, rely yeah. on that, do no, you? It no, you, to be self-sufficient. No, that's, that's a big part of the problem with golf in Australia is it's become so reliant on government funding that corporate Australia almost doesn't support golf on any level anymore, either individual players or, or tournaments. So it's got a, you know, and, and it goes back to, you know, the, the PGA Tour has killed our tour because of the wraparound season. So all our good players who play in America want to get off to a good start for the next year. So they stay behind and they play. They play in October and November. When you can't, 30 you can't years ago, for, yeah. they all came home. Yeah. And in fact, 30 years ago, many of the American players came down and played down here because right. there wasn't any other golf on, and this is the place to go. And when you would come and see yeah. the Sandbelt and see Royal Melbourne and play a bit of golf sort of in Australia, Shaq, is there room in the market? Essentially what Clates here is, God forbid, is a disruptor. <laughs> what this tournament yeah. is, is a disruptor in some ways, isn't it? Is there a market for it? And what is the market for it? You can't help but feel, not to make a direct comparison, but you can't help but feel the, the similarities between how the Masters started, field aside, and how this tournament's going about things. I mean, it was the Masters was the last to get on board with anything more than the last nine holes coverage on a Sunday, wasn't it? Right. Uh, now right. we see it's wall-to-wall. But, but there's a real – the golf is dictating this tournament, it seems. Is there a, room, is, is there a market for that now after 50-odd years of golf just being an event? Nobody at that tournament was there for the event right. side of it. Do you know what I mean? If you're out there, you're out there to watch the golf. Oh, of course there is. Uh, there has to be. I mean, I, I just you see the change in the game in the last twenty years in terms of the recognition of what courses mean and um, what different formats mean and um, what good course setup means and how much more compelling something like the way the sandbell courses play is versus a, a green hit and giggle, lush, boring, you know, birdie fest kind of thing. Uh, so all that is is there. It's just a matter of is. Uh, you know what the what the the tour is that would be willing to help you, because I think that's what you need is uh you need some sort of sanctioning or endorsement of a, a major tour. I will say the one interesting thing, if it is if if getting the younger kids playing, um, male or female, is a big part of it, um, that maybe this ridiculous uh, NFT uh, uh, world that we're we're moving towards where we want kids to be able to get endorsement money and pay their their way um that you know that in the past was probably a hindrance to a pro amateur mixed field kind of thing uh where you know what are the amateurs getting out of playing this even though we know it'd be a great experience now if they can get endorsement money um they could play in this event and it would justify that a little and it would make it maybe seem less like they're being exploited um 
And I think that would be an interesting element to kind of how the, the, the amateur status rules are changing, uh, finding a positive way to put those to good use and, and say, hey, this tournament should be, um, you know, should lay the groundwork maybe for a, a new kind of format that, that occasionally brings the next the next players together with the current and with um, some of the older players. And uh, I I think that's I just think that's really fascinating, and it's Mm. yeah, blow my mind that we've never been able to to do that. Uh, Even when the when the PGA Tour controls or has alliances with all these things, but it just shows you they're not really thinking about that, and uh, their sponsors certainly aren't. But a good sponsor can be, I think, convinced that this would be something uh, worth their while. I wonder what would you do with this tournament if it was yours, Jeff. Clates is about to actually face the Clates and Jeff and the whole team of people. Let's just be frank. It's not like Jeff Ogilvy and Clates sat down and did the whole thing. There's a team of people who helped them put this on. It was no small undertaking. What would you do, Shaq, if you were the owner of the Sandbelt Invitation? It's had I'd its do, first year. I'd do what they did this year and then try to build on it the next year. I think we've seen that most of the great tournaments that hmm. uh, have evolved well, have, have been allowed to evolve. Uh, the ones that come out swinging, trying to be something right from the get-go and and spending lavishly and trying all this crazy stuff uh, to get attention and are aggressive, uh, I think there can almost be a, a resistance to that and it's just sets up it's just hard to do whereas if you start modestly and use the augusta national invitational uh, example or maybe some other things i'll have to think of uh anything else comparable um but those are you know most of the great events i mean look how the open championship started uh Mm. I think I hate the word organic but that's kind of what you you want to do you have the, the courses and the uh the players and the time of year and you just keep building on that and the word will get out. But obviously having some coverage at some point would be, uh, is the, is the thing that takes it to the next level. Because as you know, people these days, if they don't see it happening in some way, it didn't, it didn't happen. It's true. It didn't happen. Clancy, you actually have to make these decisions. I know it's only early, but first thing I would ask you about is what did you think of the dates and how the dates worked? We finished two days before Christmas day, which Many would that, see as a, a downside potentially, but I thought the dates were great. I think we'll always stick with those days. Twenty, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, December. Regardless no matter, of when they fall in the week. No matter what days they are. So you might start the tournament on Sunday. Friday and play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So you're not competing with any other tournament. Uh, lots of Australian players are home. They've got no other commitments. And it's kind of right in the middle of the golf season here. So they came off a tournament at Warrigal, which was a super 16, 54-hole qualifying and then rounds of six-hole matches. That finished the day before on the Sunday, on the 19th. So a whole bunch of players drove from- came straight to Kingston Heath the next day and played the next day. They played eight days in a row. Yeah. yeah but, but not, hard, not hard work when the last four. <laughs> yeah, it's true. KHRM. Peninsula and uh, but, um, and area. Yeah, I think that Jeff's right. The thing is not to try and be too big too soon and just let it evolve and perhaps get the field a little bigger next year. Maybe forty pros and it's very small, isn't it? Thirty pros is a very small field, but that does that does make it somewhat more affordable. Though, well, it does. Yeah, you know, we finished up with 40, 34 pros, and Jeff said, "Clates, will you stop inviting guys to play? <laughs> We're going to run out of money." So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and there, were, there were a lot of good players who didn't play, who didn't get in, who 
I thought, my God, I forgot about him and I forgot about him and what about him? And, you know, so there were a lot of good Australian players who didn't get to play who we would like to play next year. And What was the invitation criteria just for people who didn't, under, didn't miss it? Well, partly we've played this thing called the game, which I think we did about 20 this year, where we, it was just a game on a Monday where Jeff played. There were sort of 15 to 20 players, four or five groups, kind of half pros, half amateurs, playing in, playing in four balls, just playing with each other. Again, it was the, you know, the concept of the kids playing with the best players around and just playing some sort of competitive golf. So I really grew out of that. And this was really just four versions of the game put into a week. With, and you, with invi- and you invited? A, a better field. So a lot of the pros who played in that played in it. Um, a lot of the kids who played in that played in it. Obviously, there were some, you know, a bunch of, you know, Peter Fowler was back from the European Senior Tour. He obviously came and played and, you know, so we expanded the field out a bit. But, you know, essentially it was an expansion of the game, the concept right. of that really. Shaq, which leads directly to the role of celebrity or star power in golf. And this is what we've done with the Australian Open for the last two decades is we must have at least one big name player that we pay a substantial appearance fee to be here. Otherwise, the tournament lacks credibility. Is that true? And how does that fit into this odd disruptor tournament that Clates has started? Yeah, well, they do attract attention and it does put people in the seats usually if it's the right person so but i i don't think that's um you know i think if you can somehow convince players that it's it's good for their game and they're getting to play these great courses that that there there are still players who will seek something out like that there's just so much tournament golf now that they have so many options and then they want to take time off and and all that good stuff so it's just so difficult to to get a tournament in a spot that fits and gets people there without having to spend ridiculous amounts of money. So I don't know what the answer is. Lucas Herbert sort of filled that role, I suppose, this year, didn't he, Clancy? He was the highest world-ranked player in the field. And to his eternal credit, he texted you when he heard the tournament was on and asked if he could play. So there's a, a tick in the book there. What did you think about – what are your, what are your thoughts about that name? Players? Everybody's, oh, well, I saw one – clown on Twitter say, I've never heard of any of these people while I watch it. So, well, that's kind of not what it's about in some yeah. ways, is it? True. And for Lucas, it was, I'm not sure if it was in his intention, mm. but great practice for Augusta. Mm. I mean, Seve used to come down and play Royal Melbourne. Every, not every year. He played Royal Melbourne for five years in November and then went and you know, he had a great record at Augusta. I, I always thought that was brilliant practice for Augusta because it was Augusta, but more difficult on the greens probably. So for Lucas, it was great practice for the Masters. Um, and it was, yeah, he just texted me. He said, I love what you guys are doing. Can I play? I said, well, yeah, Lucas, of course you can play. <laughs> which was you'd before, said no. Wouldn't that have just been delicious if you'd said, well, actually, mate. No, which was, before, he actually, <laughs> first alternate. <laughs> it was actually the week before he won that thing in the Bahamas was that really yeah, Bahamas, I think. Bahamas yeah it was the week before he won that tournament so it was kind of nice to have him play and he was great with the kids and he played well and he kind of embraced the whole concept of it you know, it was really a practice week for him but you know it's a it's demanding golf and interesting and he enjoyed playing it I think yeah. so and I think Hannah Green would have played she was she was in Perth but we, 
where, where the onerous uh, restrictions of having to, if she'd come and played, she'd, she'd have missed Christmas and had to quarantine for 14 days. So entirely understandable she didn't play, but mm. you know, that would have been great to have her play. And you know, if you could pick off three or four of the best Australian players, Cameron Smith or Leishman or Adam, if they're home, then come and play. There's no appearance money. There's no big to just come play and golf, play, golf sake. play with the kids and people really, people really want to see you play in Australia. And really the reason we started it was because we heard they were going to cancel the Australian Open. And you've got to put something on. I mean, the tour has been decimated the last two years here and the kids have got nothing to play in. And, and, and the tournaments they are playing, they're not playing for any money. I mean, you know, the, afford, the, yeah, the Victorian PGA around the corner from where, where I'm living is – was one hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars, and you know Peter Fowler played, and he said, the "Problem with this tournament is that almost everyone who plays this tournament loses money. So that's not a sustainable model. And 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 the, and the tour, the tour we played twenty years ago, you could make a decent living on it, but you mm-hmm. can't anymore. Australian golf will pay a price for that in the longer term. Won't we? You can't just lose two years of people's careers for many of them at a critical stage, as we have. Uh, I think." I think there'll be ramifications in 10 years for that, for Australian golf. And, well, and especially with tour schools in Europe and Asia and, well, not Japan, but cancelled. So there have been, you know, been a few really good players who have just, Blake Collier is a good example, have just haven't been able to do anything for two years. Yeah. They haven't played for two years. Well, they've played here, but, you know, it's a battle to keep going. Yeah, and just for motivation. and you know, You're treading water for two years. There's no way to sort of... To uh, to sort of get it. Yeah. just just to take another side road. Pete Fowler was clearly upset about the cancellation of the Australian Open, and he made some points that got a lot of ticks on Twitter from other pros around the place, didn't he? I think he described it as a, a, a piss poor effort all round for the Australian Open to have been cancelled and for professional golf to find itself where it is in Australia. I don't know the intricacies of their deal with the New South Wales government or what they're allowed to do or not to do, but. They could have played the Australian Open this year for no money, and everyone would have played. What did, what did, you know, just to, just to you wipe it off big, and say we're not. Yeah, you know, it was it was a horrible. I thought it was a horrible misjudgment not to play at least put the trophy up and play. But because what it said to the local players was, you guys aren't good enough to carry the tournament. Whereas for the longest time, you know, from nineteen hundred and six or whenever it started, that was what it was. It was a tournament for local players and. Sarazen would come down and play, and Gene Sarazen and Norman von Neider played. And, and then, of course, it was great when Martin McCormick did the deal with Slazengers, and Nicholas and Palmer and Gary Player came down to play as part of that deal. So, so they, they carried the tournament all the way through to Norman's era, and then Adam Scott. But to just say, you guys aren't good enough to carry the tournament, was I thought was, as Chuck said, it was a piss-poor effort, but... I don't know what the deals with the government. Well, maybe the deal with the Sydney government is you can't hold any, you you can't hold a pseudo Australian Open that's not can't meet the, the real Australian Open that we've played for. So maybe that was their problem. But you know, I don't know. Classic case of tournament golf not being about the golf, Jeff Shackelford. Really, this is kind of where golf's lost its way in many ways, hasn't it? The golf is the last thing that seems to be thought of at these bigger events. Uh, yeah, and I think it's probably going to be a bigger issue even this year coming up, just from all signs of uh, what we've seen. I mean, look at look at the tour's response, the PGA Tour and the European Tour's response to the the disruptor idea that it's just throw more money and more points chases and bonus pools and uh, things that nobody cares about 
uh, at least fan-wise. They just don't even think about the fans. Uh, the players obviously enjoy it. Uh, but I don't really know why their response hasn't been a little bit more along the lines of um, well I know why but it, it, it it's hard for them to say we're the Rory tried to say it, we're the best tour for preparing you for the majors but they're they're such a cult at this point that that the they really believe what they do is is bigger than the majors or as big and ultimately they're not uh they're great for preparing them for the majors and great for making guys a lot of money and providing uh jobs and and different things for players and that's all great but they never really um that i've seen done anything other than position the memorial before the u.s open and uh they've stripped away the good prep event the week before the the masters made a mess of that over money um the scottish open deal is probably the other thing you could point to that hey yeah they're they've they've joined forces it should have happened a long time ago uh it's debatable whether the renaissance club is an ideal tune-up for the links since since some of the players are now saying it's it's kind of not um or whatever they have they're all you know some sometimes they're irrational but the point is um, there isn't a whole lot done that that thinks about how the the elite player wants to get better and and stay sharp and schedule themselves and so um, that said they've done a better job of going to better golf courses and I think the setup week to week on the tour has been better in terms of a mix of difficulty and excitement and uh, they've gone down different paths before so that's all good and although as Clates is kind of describing with this week. It's so much up to the home course, too, still, to present a course uh, the proper way. So uh, there's only so much the tour can can ask places to do. So it's, um, yeah, it's going to be a very, it's going to be a rough rough year, I think, in that sense, to, to the point of your question, which is thinking about the the uh, the values and the core values of the game and what makes it fun to watch and and exciting and all that it just seems like they're going to be in a money war and uh, man that's not very interesting to the fan. So where's the Saudi Invitational and the what they twenty two releases did they give? 20, 30. 20, 30. 30. Uh, the yeah. tour there's thirty players according to the last story I read. So the deal is that the players who get a release have to play at Pebble Beach, the opposing event this year, the opposite event this year. They'll have to play in that, depending how often they've played it, at least yeah. once or twice in the next three Yeah, that's years, their punishment. Yeah, that's, that's them, the sort of... That's them cracking the whip. It's an interesting, uh, interesting <laughs> way to go about it, isn't it? Clay, yeah, what, just to show you how unimaginative yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the Jay Monahan is at this point. Now, the AT, AT&T has been an incredible sponsor for the tour. Yes. One of the yeah. first... One of the longest, uh, just a couple of events too, and they, and they get one. two events, and they've been absolutely crapped on uh, by the players. Either guys don't want to play the pro am and get rained on in Pebble, or the Byron Nelson they they didn't like the courses and they don't like the date, and and they still sponsor it. Uh, so he didn't even say, you know, by the way, you're also going to have to play a Byron Nelson because this was a you're 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 hurting our sponsor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just just an absolutely stunningly spineless uh response to this that i think is just going to open the floodgates to all this stuff we're talking about for this coming year i think he just made it i just think he confirmed that they they don't have much in their arsenal 
or they're not very creative, or they're just afraid to tell these players sometimes, hey, this is how it is. You're playing for a lot of money, and there's a few things you're just going to have to do. They just don't want to do that with them. Um, You know you're out. What are you going to do when LIV Investments comes calling, Clates, for the Sandbelt (laughs) Invitational? Seriously, what would you do? Not plan. They're not (laughs) out of it. They're out. (laughs) They're out before they're in. Yeah, Yeah, indeed. But Greg can come and play any time he wants. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> Greg, you're right welcome. Good. Just you, yeah. you can't bring the. Uh, so be, be careful. He lives there now, place. right? He he was he made a big deal about moving oh, back uh, to Australia, yeah, right? He's there he's now. There. No, he's not here now. No, no, uh, no, no. What happened? Oh. <laughs> what a shock! Um, what's the PGL up to now? It's, at some point, Jeff, they've surely got to show their hand, don't they? Oh, I think they've tried. They're just trying to get the tour to, uh, you know, they don't have the the Saudi ties anymore, and then they mm. they they believe in their concept still, and um, I think they're just trying to have conversations. I don't know where they are on that. I've I've asked a little bit, and it doesn't sound like they. Uh, you listen, they're, to but them they're still trying up. to. They believe they can help the tour. Yes, and I must admit, having listened to uh, what's he. Andy What's Gardner on, uh, on the, uh, the, no the no-line-up thing, which was an extensive yeah. interview. But it was a long interview. It was very good, though. The interesting stuff about that was how few of the rank-and-file tour players they actually need to convince yeah. to be able to get that idea up, and that's a very that's clear... That's 25%. Uh, yeah. yeah. I actually think that that might be the tour's best way forward. If they were smart, they would jump into bed with the PGL, which would virtually kill off any other league. Yeah. idea, uh, and they could do it without necessarily losing face. You make Jay Monaghan the, the head of it, so that it's you know it's PGA Tour premium, whatever you might want to call it for yeah. the league. It gives their players something to aim for. Something's got to happen. By the end of this year, something will have happened, I think. Yeah. And if the PGA Tour still want to be... Because they've been the only player in the game for so long, Shaq. It's hard in that circumstance to put yourself outside and look in, isn't it? When you've been the only game in town Right. For as long as they have, it's very difficult to step outside that and get a sort of a, you know, a, a, an objective view of how it all might look. And I think that's a real problem for them. They're, 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 they're fighting from inside without really understanding necessarily how they're seen from outside. And that's a problem. Well, they're a little stuck in their ways. They bring in over a billion dollars in media rights mm. fees now mm. a year, uh, according to them, uh, or through various ways, if you do the math, uh, so they're and they're about to start a new contract. So to them, everything looks great. It's not so broken. Why problem? would you fix it? That's yeah. Right. yeah, and they are they are really dead set against listening to the idea that that's not quite working. Even as the, the World Golf Championships are essentially dying, um, mm-hmm. you have your evidence right there that they've they've priced it in a way that nobody wants to sponsor it, and they don't have any sentimental value. Nobody's. Uh, I mean, we'll miss the match play. Because we'll miss match play, not because we'll miss Dell or Austin or uh, we won't miss the format that they came up with with the stupid. Well, I yeah, I defend that one because I I get it that that one I defend that one because it is fan friendly. They are trying to think of a fan who maybe only gets out to the tournament one day and they they, mm. they want to see certain players and that keeps them around for three days. So I understand. The thinking on that, and people who have jobs and lives, and they want to see Jordan Spieth, but they can only get out to one day of the tournament, and that keeps them there for those three days. So, it is the one time they've they've really gone out of their way to be more about the fans um, than anything else. And some players complain that you know it wasn't too that close to the Masters to only go there and play one round was not ideal. And so that that was the other thinking. I, I I have no problem with those things. I mean, we just should have more match play. Is the uh, is the real problem? Mm. 
there's nothing wrong with that format if we also had you know a different kind of match play or or again if we had a had it in the president's cup a different way or if we we uh, had a, a mixed event i mean you could go on down the list so it's um it's it's definitely a product of of them being stubborn and i i think that um uh, Greg Norman's probably got some quite a few players very intrigued because the dollar amounts are are, uh, are probably pretty crazy. Oh, he's, he's telling them how good they are too and how important they are and how they're the only thing that's really important in the game. He's doing all of the stuff. They're, he's giving them Greg Norman's view of the world. Well, they grow the know. game, right, is what you're oh, trying to say. St- yeah. <laughs> of course. Don't start with the grow, grow the game. There's a couple of the tougher questions, Clay. There was no Australian PGA Tour Australasia sanctioning uh, for this event. It's not tied to a tour at this stage can that continue to be the case are there barriers to that what's your thinking on having a tour involved in the tournament we've just sat here and spent 40 minutes explaining why why the tours are problematic to the game of golf they're kind of necessary too aren't they what's the have you had any discussions with the the tour we haven't there was some pga guys were there gavin kirkham was down there for the last day which was nice um i mean why would we want to be aligned with the tour because then you've got a pay them sanctioned fees and you've got to allow so many players in and you know I think as long as we're giving some of their players a chance to make money the players are going to play but it could only be an onerous restriction on what we're already doing don't you think that would probably be my view from outside but by the same token it also puts you outside the tent and at some point being outside the tent becomes unworthy pgl's outside the tent at the moment the smartest thing that the saudis have done is come inside the tent by buying the agent tour jeff correct yeah and that's what i was going to say to clates is trying to get some sort of sanctioning at least for the amateurs or to get world rank uh, ranking points for the You know, I mean that that is important to players, and I understand that they don't want to spend a week and not get some credit for their good play if they play well. So to me, that would be the one reason to do that. I mean, they sanctioned the Nordic Golf Tour, and the there was there was another tour that came up uh, last week. I had, just recently, yes, it was Middle what East. Was it mentioned? I'm, I'm I'm forgetting now, and I went, wait, that's a tour? <laughs> what is I that? The, I've never heard of that. Mina, yeah, it started with an M. Mina too. Minotaur. Minotaur in the yeah, Middle East. It's in yeah. the Middle East, right? Yeah. It's in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. So uh, there, uh, you know, if some form of points would be the, the one thing I would say is the the value in this for you. That's true. And it's true that um, the winner, Brady Watt, got no winner's exemption on the tour. But the tour is so, because of, it's no foreign players are coming down, to the tournaments here, every player is getting in every tournament anyway. Mm. Right. What about an Australian Open exemption? Uh, what can we can we start some negotiations there? Uh, do you probably well, need more a bigger field? Well, what what happened? What, the leading non-exempt player got into the Australian PGA, the Victorian Open, and the Victorian Women's Open. So they, the the tour did give give us some exemptions for those tournaments, which was great. Yeah, it's great. Mm. Yeah. I'm pleased to hear that in as much as that shows that there's at least a willingness on their part to have some part in something that may or may not be successful. This is not guaranteed to succeed, is it, Clay? There's no guarantee, I imagine, of a 2022 event as yet, though I think we'd all be confident that it will go ahead. Just like the Masters, there's no guarantee this is going to be around still in 10 years. In some ways, it's a very tricky proposition, isn't it? You've got to be careful about becoming a victim of your own success, potentially, and you've got to manage very carefully year by year the direction the tournament takes. Yeah, I mean, people have been yearning in Melbourne for Mm. something to replace the Australian Masters, which was a great tournament for a long time. And then it kind of 
I want to say, died a natural death rate. You know, it seems like, apart from the Australian Open and the Victorian Open, most tournaments and, and the Australian PJ, most commercial tournaments don't last longer than 30 years in Australia. So people have been yearning in Melbourne for an annual event on the best courses. So maybe this turns into that. Because in the meantime, it doesn't appear like anyone else is going to do anything. No. Not like someone's going to start up a... And, nor, and In fairness, nor would you if the requirement was to have 144 or 156 players, would you? Yeah. And, and a budget it's unfeasible. $5 million. And, <laughs> That's right. You, know, you have to pay XYZ player $500,000 to come and play or yeah. ABC player a million dollars to come and play. And I see the Saudis were... The Saudi tournament, Jeff, they were... The lowest appearance fees were... 400. 400? 400, yeah. US. A whole bunch at 750 and the highest ones are... Over, over a million. So they're, what, paying $20 million in appearance fees, 15 yeah. $20 million? You know, it's just obscene amounts of money for extraordinary. And their, their travel and uh, yeah. all that. Oh, that's everything. a given, Shaq. Come on, that's a given. If yeah. you bring your own jet, we'll pay for you to park it, we'll pay for the fuel, and yeah. all of that you stuff. Stay on the yacht that uh, we park yeah. offshore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, it's quite a deal. Yeah, quite the deal indeed. It seems to me, Shaq, that what Jeff uh, Ogilvy and – Clates have got here is all of the ingredients, but that's not the recipe, is it? They've got all the ingredients to make something great, but you've got to get the recipe right, don't you? And that's going to be the the tricky bit going forward, much as I hate the phrase. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, you adjust it year to year, and you see what the players say and and uh, assess the format and all that, and and uh, that's what you know Augusta National did with the Masters, and uh, they thanked all the writers who gave them great press uh, for many years and were appreciative of that. And, oh, um, I don't think and that's my backdoor way of asking how was the media treated, Rod? <laughs> I need to know. This is, this uh, is all well, that really matters. A little bit disappointing in who turned up, as in not many. Uh, both both the full-time staff at Golf Australia magazine, who I also contribute to, were there. Jimmy Emanuel and Brendan James, the editor. Right, I read, I'm not read sh- the stories. I'm yeah. not sure if the – Jimmy did a fabulous – full marks to Jimmy Emanuel, by the way. Did a, In some ways, a coming of age for him. Did a fabulous job under incredible pressure every day to get some really good stuff out. And I thought his opinion piece at the end of it was fantastic. Uh, a, a good piece of journalism as well. Didn't just right. kowtow to say that we were there and it was great. It was perfectly imperfect, which I thought was a nice way to wrap it up. Uh, I was a bit disappointed that other media didn't turn up or many. I didn't see many others. There was some in-house stuff. Henry Peters was doing the in-house stuff for uh, the website and the tournament organisers. I think and hope that'll change in the future. Yeah, it takes time. It takes probably a bit of time. The media experience is great. Cathy Shearer ran the, the media centre, so that's always a good thing. I get on with Kath, so that's a good thing. If you don't get on with Kath, I'm not sure that's such a good thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> if, uh, that's how that works. You talked about the parking before, Jeff. They had Each day has a different coloured parking pass at tournaments here traditionally in Australia, and we had that uh, for this one. <laughs> They're on A4 pieces of coloured cardboard <laughs> that you could barely fit on the dashboard, which I thought was a... A lovely touch. Look, it was all pretty smooth. It wasn't really an event for the media. The, the no. one thing that's probably difficult and you would never think of as a tournament organiser, and I wouldn't even being in the media, for the club's clothes, and it's a one-day event, it's a very late finish for them, and I think that was unexpected this year. Mm. The riders need a good three to four hours after the last putt drops to get their things done. Yeah, and so- a lot of the clubs, I'm not sure, we're expecting to still have people on the premises at mm. 8.30, 9 o'clock, yeah. 9.30 at night. And that's that's a completely understandable oversight, which is easy to fix. But you would, ne- I would never have thought of that. Well, there's, no re- of the week there's no reason why we can't play at 
Yeah, yeah. Nine earlier, o'clock, not yeah, eleven thirty. Yeah, you, yeah, but look, they are really tiny, little unimportant yeah. things. And um, you know, yeah, good. Yeah. Golf Digest probably should have been there, and we probably should have asked them to come. And there are a couple of great sports writers for the AG Melbourne who I could have rung and said, "Come and write a column," and didn't. And we'll do that next year. But yeah, you know, you almost kind of give up on golf and newspapers in Melbourne yeah. anymore. It's just. Well, it's. I don't even know if it's just a. I don't think it's an Australia thing, Clates. It's. I think yeah, it's just true. universal. I mean, we're just yeah. down to so few people who actually write a story about a tournament. Um, the people they work for don't want that, and it's just changed. So, I, I, it's more about what you do on social media, or unless you have some strange, fun angle, they really the people in charge don't really Not care. And I don't know how many that. people write and uh, read an article. I don't know. Uh, I think the they read opinion factor again, isn't it? Yeah, that's the celebrity factor again, isn't it, Jeff? You know, if Tiger Woods plays, everybody wants to know. You know, yeah, shot by shot, and yeah, that's yeah, exactly who right. he said hi to, the, and yeah, all that. But the one thing that was fantastic as media was that beautiful notion of just being able to wander out and talk to players, uh, where yeah, you would so just wait they, outside the scoring area and wait for them to come and say, "Hey, Pete, you know, have you got a minute?" And which you don't. Get they didn't very tell much you that far off, and yeah. But <laughs> I saw I saw a lot of fo- fo- photos that showed people out walking the fairways. How did that? And that all, was I was about to say that was that fabulous. Go? Yeah, the, the Vic Open set the example there again, haven't they, Clades? Back to the Future again. Fabulous, fabulous way to watch golf. Were there any incidents, Clades? People will tell you you, you can't have people wandering the golf course without ropes because somebody will get it. Was there any incidents? No, none. Worked fine. I mean, the crowds in fairness weren't massive. Huge, no. I grew up watching. Golf, walking the fairways until the mid seventies. That was the norm in Australia, and you had ropes and marshals and it. And the Vic Open, the LPGA security guy came down the first year of the Vic Open and couldn't possibly imagine or believe that, <laughs> that <laughs> there were going to be people on the fairways. And by Saturday, he was like, "This is this great, is really cool. This works really well. I never yeah. thought this would work." Well, surprise, surprise, people behave and they don't harass the players. And because yeah. if you're out at the course, you're either a golfer or you're with a golfer. Who's going to say, no, don't walk there. Don't you know if you're going to go there, you've got to check that someone's not hitting first and that sort of stuff. I think it would be a joy for the players too, Clates. And I know the response at the Vic Open's always been fantastic. I've not yet spoken to a player who didn't genuinely enjoy it. Most of them had never done it before or hadn't done it for a long time. Didn't genuinely enjoy the crowd being up close and the, the ability to show people up close, you know, the skills that they've got. Because it's an extraordinary way to watch golf. Well, and you can hear what the caddy and the players are saying. And, yeah. and it's not hard to get close enough to hear that. You, you know, no. as, as long as you stand in the proximity, you can, yep. you can hear what's going on and what club they're hitting and how far the yardage is and all that stuff. And it's, it's so much, it's such a better experience. And there's no reason why you couldn't do it everywhere in the world except for the last two or three groups because you can bet the fifth group out on Sunday at, the, at Riviera, the crowd's not that big. There's no reason why they couldn't walk on the fairways. But, of course, everyone worries about things that are never going to happen. Yeah, indeed. I got I got to watch and hear Jeff Ogilvy hit a long iron. Now, there's something I've missed for a couple of years, having not been to any tournament golf. Yeah, Clates, and you you're reminded immediately. It's like wow, it really it's just wow. That's extraordinary to yeah. to watch and see. And and yeah, he got a good bounce as well, which is lucky. I think he thought he'd missed the green left. It was on the third at uh, Peninsula Kings there on the Sunday, long par three. Yeah, long par three, yeah. Yeah, I think he, he, th- he thought he'd put it left into the bunker, but he hit a little hump there, and when we got up the fairway, you could see it was about 10 feet from the hole. He just pretended that that's what he was trying to do. And why wouldn't you? That's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly the way you would play it. Uh, well, Clades, it was, it was, uh, I thought it was a fabulous week, a really intriguing week, and it's got the bones of something potentially, I think, yeah. 
really, really. But it, but it will. It's not a obviously. It's not a guaranteed success. I think it will be, and I hope it is. But uh, you're going to have to sort of manage it quite. It's just different enough, isn't it, Jeff Shackelford? Just different enough uh, to be interesting. Yeah, and that's what we need more of, uh, and and more examples of it, and people just doing it because they love the game. And I think it's a great. It will it will contrast nicely with kind of where we're where we've been already this fall, and where we're going with with uh, these discussions. Because I I think uh, they're going to be people really turned off by some of the stuff that that's plays out as this this little this little yeah. war. Uh, occurs and so when there are these examples then things like this or the walker cup or or other events just stand out even more for not uh, being so tacky it's uh, sullied by all of that sullied, yeah so <laughs> what are we looking forward to for 22 well i mean great major venues um uh, sensational year on that front uh men and women uh, that's really what I'm looking forward to. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, uh, I'm excited about that. And uh, now, now with Tiger, I think I was uh, going to say, I think I don't. It, I think it, the Open's it, the one that's got a chance. I do too. I, I, I'm I having a hard time seeing the U.S. Open happening uh, or the PGA, but but I think the Open surely Championship he, at the old courses is gold. Yeah, yeah. surely he can't walk Augusta. That's just not no. I mean, yeah, it's it was bad staggering. in so many ways. It's hilly, it's staggering. It's That's right, slippery yeah. and wet. It's yeah. just a the way they they it's just a tough walk in a lot of different the, ways. The golf swing, the golf game was staggeringly good. Was it? I not, know. Jeff, under the circumstances, I was. I mean, he's clearly must have been foxing us with that video that he'd released and that sort of stuff. But I just couldn't believe oh, he looked like a proper player. That didn't look yeah. to be in terms of the swing. Uh, much game. going that way. Yeah, oh, yeah well. I mean, obviously, that's probably the thing he's the been doing for practice, a while, more putting and chipping, but it's still under – Still. Yeah, there's pressure. It's, it's just cameras going, and his son's there, and he performed – I mean, to make 11 birdies in a row, I don't care where the pins are and nah. what you're yeah. doing that, as a team. That's phenomenal. Uh, so, yeah, it was – I don't know if maybe his injuries were exaggerated. I don't. I don't know. I don't uh, really care at this point. It. It. Uh, it saw it's the car. Add a, I'm, I'm guessing they weren't. If you saw the car, you'd have to think. That no, but it's a, an amazing recovery. So, yeah, uh, it, it, yeah I think it's gonna. I think that's gonna be the the, the tournament that he's trying. To, that's his goal. I agree. To, Lovely uh, flat walk, and it's two already there. It's right yeah, up his alley, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. What about Plates, you, Plates? You, yeah. What's your? What are you looking forward to? Well, the President's Cup's always interesting for oh, foreigners. Oh, I like the President's yeah, Cup. Quail interesting. Hollow. Oh, they're playing Quail Hollow. Oh, yeah, true, yeah, true. Um, the President's Cup could be interesting if they took it to a different venue and changed the team mix, but I just yeah. take the, Still, t- the format. I don't care about the venue. Okay. If if they right. if they would take if they include the women, the, I'd be just I was I I had the thought yesterday because I was just trying to think: Am I gonna re- am I gonna cover the President's Cup next year as part of my newsletter? And I thought. Oh God, the format! Why can't you get Come the on, women involved? It'd be so good. Anyway, you need to. You got to respect the event, Shaq. It's a little bit like the president Why? of the US. You, Why? you respect. You respect Quail it because. Oh. But the because the world needs the president's cup. It needs the president's cup to be better, but it needs the president's cup. Yeah. Otherwise, all you've got's the right. Oh, and that's and the so you, now you're going to tell me it's going to grow the game? And oh, come on. No, it's well, actually, we well, have the Ryder we'll Cup. That later. We might talk about that later. We but, might yeah. grow the game, Shaq. But, you're right. Yeah, the president. It's a not an interesting course, and it's a completely uninteresting format but and i can't believe that i put the women in it and and if they did it would be great oh. and, I, and i and i don't understand why they don't get that 
I don't I know do. if it's even it's, been discussed, so I don't know if we can knock him for that. I, I, I don't know if anybody's ever it has to have been. It has pitched to it. Been. I, I don't know. They don't think much about the women down there. They, they're, they're not. That's not who they work for, really. So, haven't they signed an alliance though, Jeff? Well, yeah, and that's been a total LPG, dud. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been a total dud, and uh, we'll see how it plays out with the new TV deal. And if I don't have high hopes though for the women getting. A boost. I mean, they'll get a financial boost, as I understand it, but I don't see them getting a boost in terms of their placement on on television and 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 and, and part of it, I I have to say, I feel like is the LPGA's fault. The the stubbornness not to to think a little bit differently about days you start and finish on, and and I think they get lost that's, in the shuffle a little because they're just that's been proven not to work though, hasn't it? The changing the days of the week. The Corn Ferry Tour tried it, and let's be frank, they all got very excited about it, but it didn't really fly. Well, you, your traditional golf audience, which is very much your LPGA audience, thinks golf happens Thursday to Sunday. You're going to take a generation just, to knock that out of people. So I, I see your point, and it all makes sense on paper, but once you give it a try, I think it doesn't doesn't yeah. necessarily work. The, the problem is you got to, is the scheduling. That's the issue. If you could work out, if you could do the schedules of both tours simultaneously, it would be Tricky, but you could get something out. But they both do their schedules independently, and so you get these crossovers that just are never going to work. Yeah, I think there's more coordination on that, at least from the TV perspective. But I, yeah. I, I just don't think they're high on the on the on the priority list down there. And so I, we, I, I really would not be surprised if that's never been a, a thought for the president's guy. Yeah, it it would make hundred percent agree with that. Well, they've been told enough time. Clay's has been so anyway. So Clay, you're looking forward to the president's cup, even though it's a rubbish event now. Yeah. As Jeff just well, it's told a, us. not an interesting course, yeah. But it's just to to, to for those of us who are not in the Ryder Cup, it's always interesting yeah. to see what happens. And can they keep losing, or do they eventually? I mean. That'll be the it seems like we're coming in, into an era of, you know, when you watch the Americans decimate the Europeans in the Ryder Cup, a pretty strong American golf right now. Well, especially so, going to that course, that's just, a, yeah, you know, yeah. tour players type of course and yeah. American player, and they're not going anywhere that's, uh, the Europe, you know, whereas Whistling Straits, we thought the Europeans might actually be competitive there, uh, and they weren't. Uh, for whatever reason, I thought they they really had a chance there to to pull off an upset because of the golf course, and that didn't prove out. At yeah, all. eventually the upsets have to stop. I mean, the Europeans every time they've won has been somewhat of an upset <laughs> in the last yeah, twenty years. The, the upsets yeah, have to stop yeah. at some point, don't they? You, and the American team this year in particular just was well, they played top great. to bottom. Yeah. They just played amazing golf. You couldn't beat that. And, what um, else, Clates? What else are you looking? Well, does. Rory go eight years without a major? Surely that's not possible, is it? Of course it's possible. Well, he's it's possible. unloaded P. Cowan, and um, it just uh, it's a matter of his short game. I know everybody loves to talk about his swing, but it you watch him play and you watch him putt, and, and it just still comes down to his, his – uh, I mean, did you see that putt where he putted off the yeah. green and at the uh, in the Bahamas? I did. I mean, it happens, but that wasn't even close. <laughs> no. Nah. Um, that's just a one-off. I'm not sure that that's necessary. Well, no, I just look at his putting in general, and I just don't think he looks as, as good over the putts as he used to. He doesn't look as free. He looks like he's thinking too much. And Don't you um, think Rory, though, as I thought he nailed it, and I was encouraged to hear him say someone's just, just got to go back to being Rory. The world for Rory has changed so much from, for that kid from a small town in Northern Ireland. There's nothing like the life that he lives now, and I'm not sure he's necessarily coped with all of that 
for the whole journey fantastically. When it was going well early on, wonderful, but I think it's become harder and harder to be Rory McIlroy, and that's got to leak over to the course in some ways. When you talk about him not looking great standing over putts, to me, for the most part, he just doesn't look relaxed. There's this this tension about being Rory that is awkward, and when there's not, you know when Rory's playing well because he starts to bounce down the fairway, and when that happens, you might as well go home because he's going to win, but we just don't see that Rory often enough. And I wonder whether that's because of all the stuff that happens off the course. You'd know better than most clients. What happens off the course impacts on the course, no? You're playing the way you're playing? Uh, well, I could tell you some stories about the opposite <laughs> being true, but... Um, <laughs> no doubt. Um, well, his life's good off the course. I think that's yeah. the problem. I think it's almost too good. Like, the, the mm. he's made a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. He has made a lot, lot of money, money but it's... Uh, and, gilded and cage is still a cage, Jeff. Uh, money only to get you over there. He passed the money worries long, 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 long. Oh, I'm not saying worries. I'm just saying it, it breeds a certain complacency, I think, that yeah. you can't... Even if you are, you yeah. think you're committed, I, I just can't fathom what the amount of money he's made at... Um, the days where he does go, eh, I don't need to go hit. I don't need to go practice my short game. Man. It's enough psychoanalyzing yeah. Rory McIlroy. Yeah. He doesn't need our output on anything. I'm sure. Yeah, but uh, you know, I I would love to see him when what he, you know, he's, he's a ten major guy. Yeah. We all thought that when he won that PGA seven years ago. That there's a guy who's going to win a lot of majors, and it's unfathomable that he hasn't won since then. As much as anything, because the game is better for Rory being. In the top echelon of players, don't yeah. you think, Clayton? Well, I think he's in the top echelon of players, but it's better when you know he he wins a little more often than he does in the big tournaments. Yeah, he's a fabulous representation and spokesperson for the game, I think, and for the golf parts of the game. Yeah, Jeff. No, he's not just. I mean, he's getting a lot of the stuff about this professional disruptor stuff, though. But he he, he gets yeah golf for the most part, which is you know like the green reading book thing. I'm I'm very sure that was uh, he drove that with the the PGA Tour players, and so the question will be. Mm. As we get to the possible distance discussion this year and what they decide to do, will he be the Rory that uh, that that values skill and and understands these things, or will he be the guy that flips out and bitches about the USGA spending a million dollars on on research uh, and and whines about bifurcation and then, but he says he's for like he's uh, you know I, I I don't I don't know what to expect, but he does have a voice that's very important with his role at the tour and we just saw that with the green books and yeah uh it's amazing s- still how much people whine about that and he obviously had the wisdom to say this is this looks bad uh and then this is just stupid from a a, a playing point of view so will he have that same perspective on the on the distance topic with whatever they propose because he has a very uh influential voice Does the does the fractured nature of professional golf with you know the Saudis and the PGL thing does that does that help with getting something done on distance, Jeff? It's a huge distraction for the tours. All of that going on, uh, are they more likely to be open to just dealing with the distance thing to have it done because this other stuff is a much greater existential threat for them? I hadn't thought of it that way, but that that may end up being the case. What do you think, Clates? I, I could I could actually see that scenario where they're yeah. they're just they're just so caught up in trying to survive this this uh, hostile takeover that they uh, go, yeah, 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 you, you do whatever you need to do. I don't think so, but I I could see that happening because they do seem they seem caught off guard by this. Mm. They seem uh, ill prepared to make their case better publicly, you know? I mean, in other sports, when these things have happened, they really go after the fan 
and the and the corporate partners to get people on their side to feel bad for them. And all they've done is just wheel out more bonus pools and things, and 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 that doesn't really pull at the heartstrings. So I don't I don't know if they're uh, they're that organized. So it, that that's an interesting that that could be uh, how it plays out. I mean, I think the decision's already been made. Mm-hmm. I do too. I don't know what you've picked up, Clates, from the players down there, but it seems like they've already decided what they're going to do with the equipment and announce in uh, what it'll be May. I think is six months from the end of the comment period. But I've always heard they've they've kind of decided what it is, you know, with the driver face or the ball, and and uh, so they all seem to possibly know the the, the methodology. It was funny the fifteenth at Peninsula Kings was a five hundred and twenty yard par five, which we changed to a par four, and a couple of guys came in complaining about. I did a drive and a three iron to that. Uh, that's a ridiculous hole. I like you. You did a drive and a three iron. What, what an amazing thing that is. Uh, to a par four. Can you imagine? Clates, if the, if the real Clates had been there, he'd have handed them a persimmon driver and a blade three iron and said, go out and have a crack at it with these two. But I mean, it, it shows how unused they are to hitting a drive no, yeah. iron to a par four. They just never, literally, they never do it. No. No. Generationally, and that's true in recreational golf as well, Clates. That, that even at even at you know, there's plenty of blokes hit at miles in who play off you know ten and fifteen mm. who just can't imagine a par four that you'd have to hit some sort of a long iron two or or a hybrid or that sort of thing. That, and that's a generational thing. That's probably the biggest problem facing the whole distance thing. I think Jeff is that it's gone on for so long that there are people who have no recollection. All of those yep. who remember the game from the eighties and nineties and having played it. Even if they're not on board with a a, a, a rollback or dis, they understand the argument because they experienced it. Um, there's a whole generation, maybe two generations of players, who've got no concept of it, just none. You forget how young people think. There was a bunch of kids standing outside the scorers area there, Clates, when Peter Fowler came out. I wanted to have a chat to him. It's about three or four, they're about eight or nine years old. And I said to them, you know, this bloke won the Australian Open, and they all sort of looked at him. You can almost hear them thinking, hey, he's too old to have won anything. I said to these kids, when do you reckon he won the Australian Open? What, what year? Because he was signing their hats. And the first kid said, 2004. <laughs> the second one thought he'd be really bold, and he said, 1998. And I think the third one said 1992. They couldn't even fathom that the 80s happened, let alone mm. that they played golf or that somebody won in there. So it was it was quite cute, but a reminder to how different the world looks when you're little and what time looks like when you're little. So there's two generations of players, Jeff, who've no idea of no. what the game used to look like at yeah. the top level and why that might have been something better. So they're, they're the issues, I think, that, that they'll have to overcome. Yeah, yeah and they may take it personally when you're taking their distance away. We've kind of seen that a little oh, bit with some of these other arguments with uh, green books and other things that it's it's uh, sort of well, it's it's established, and now you're taking That's taking right. it away from me. And there are some players who embrace the challenge, but there are probably a majority are going to be. Uh, and it's what the manu- it's what the manufacturers will drive, you know. Don't and then yeah, the, they'll get. Don't let the USGA yeah, take yeah, your yeah, yeah. take your third. What'd you say, Clades? Don't take my guns. Don't take my thirty yards. That don't take my guns and don't take my thirty yards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, and just finally, Clades, from you, some thoughts on Tiger. I know you're not as much of a probably Tiger file as the rest of. It. What did you think about what we saw? I mean, you couldn't help it, even if you're an anti, even if you're the complete PNC Grinch. 
which I am, you couldn't help but watch a little bit of it just to see what he looked like. What did you think and what do you think about maybe next year? Because what's really interesting, I wrote about this the other day, what happens after Tiger? He keeps proving to us again and again yeah. just how important he is to the game. We think, oh, we've had him. We've been without Tiger now for three or four years, and the game's fine. And then he posts a three-second video, and it gets seven million views. It's like, okay, the game really is relying yeah. on Tiger. What happens after Tiger? <laughs> Who knows? But well, but the, the, there's always been, you know, someone That's came played. after Jones, and someone came yeah, after Arnold, and someone came after. Well, no one came after Seve in Europe, but you know, um, I mean, the, some of the. Best days I've had watching golf were the 2002 US Open last day. Yeah. Last 36 holes at Hoylake and the match against Abraham Answer at Royal Melbourne where That's cool. you know, I, I never thought anyone would play golf like that or I would see it. So you know, I'm, we're all incredibly lucky to see him play golf. He might be the whatever he is off the course. Uh, but to watch, I'm not making any comment there, but to watch that guy play golf has been, we've been extraordinarily lucky to see Golf played at that level because it's at a level that, you know, I never saw Hogan play. And I played with Nicholas once and he was pretty awesome. But, you know, that that golf I saw at Beth Page and Hoylake at Royal Melbourne was phenomenal. And, and we're all incredibly lucky to see it. Yeah, the games which are for, which brings me back to Shaq. One of the things I think about that whole PGL idea, there is one way to keep Tiger in the game for a very, very long time, and that's to give him a team in the PGL. Now he's already he's already nailed his flag to the mast that he's a PGA Tour guy. That can that can remain the case, and he can be a team owner slash captain. He would actually be interested in that far more so than playing the Champions Tour. And that would make that league very appealing to a whole generation of players who doesn't want to play for Tiger. That uh, makes well, that really and, interesting. And yeah, and I again, I it's way beyond my pay grade to explain the tax benefits uh, and and the tax law here that has been created for owners of sports teams. Wow! Okay. Um, but it is an incredibly uh, friendly to uh, a rich guy kind of pour money into uh, the team concept and things you can write off and there there's i know i've mentioned it on this pod before there's a good story about it on um pro publica and that that explains why these owners are why why franchises are such a, a draw to these people so he would enjoy that element too i i i still i realize i know what he said at the hero but um i i would not be shocked if there was a uh an offer made by the saudis uh oh, that's just surely. an absurd package of things that, that include course design and um that include his organization running the events or the hero world challenge becoming a an event I, you know i i just can't rule that out uh, i have I a small said, i have a small faith in the grain of humanity i i think he's already made his own personal decisions about it. he's never been there He's been asked multiple times. He's never, he's never, he's never gone down that path. And I just, despite what they might offer in business, well, I don't think so. And I think the alternative, there's got to be an alternative. If there's nothing else on the table, then perhaps. But well, I've been surprised by. Some, I mean, he's made some, clear he's playing very little PGA Tour golf ever again. Right. I don't think yeah. he really wanted to before the accident play more than uh, the events he needs to handful. get ready for the majors. And now he's made very clear that yeah. is going to be the case. Um, but yeah, it is amazing to think again, knowing how long the tour has been aware of this concept, and knowing what's going on in other professional sports, seeing what's gone on in Formula One, 
um, seeing the money that that the the value that's created with all these sports franchises, and that doesn't look like that's going to change for a while. That they didn't try and f- find, if not the full Premier Golf League concept, some form some of it. Form of it that uh, that did make the make certain people owners and bring the owner element in and bring as corporate sponsors in um, as a way to sort of uh, progress or move into the future and, and and instead they're just really kind of stuck on their on their current way of doing things and I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna backfire on them if they if they they don't adopt some of these ideas to yeah. uh, to move forward I think they're gonna regret it I agree. Has the senior tour had its day, perhaps, Clay? There was a time when there was a large portion of players when the senior tour was a second chance, a second career, and that's been fantastic. This generation of players is not going to be in that position financially, are they? How do you no, but they still want to play, don't they? They still ultimately want to compete. Some play. do, yeah. 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 Uh, and there's still sponsors who want to be around them. I just think there's a few too many events is, is the bigger problem. Mm. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it, it's... It's it's. I mean, there have been rumors all year that it's it's doomed, but um, you know, it would be right on brand too for them to kill it to use whatever they they put into that to keep it going to just throw into another Give bonus to the top pool. 10 it players. would be very <laughs> kind of typical of everything that's going on in our country, where we just uh, put it all into this stuff at the top, and then and then they wonder why the the, the people are quitting their jobs or or moving to other jobs. It's it's sort of a uh, it's a weird, weird uh, thing about uh, and and you know the, the giving the the people at the top this um, massive wealth, and yet you know the champions outrated the PGA Tour in the in the fall a couple times, yeah. uh, just because they were played later in the afternoon. They were horrible ratings for both. There was nobody watching either of one, but it was kind of oh. funny to see that the champions. Uh, Beat the beat the tour pros because at least there were a few people there that people had heard of. Um, you can only playing. beat the field that turns up on the day, Jeff. You can only beat the field that turns up on or, the day. So. Or there's just several Nielsen, <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, Nielsen homes at the villages, and that's why they they yeah. did well. But Clates. Um, ultimately, the player impact program or whatever they call it is just appearance money by another name, isn't it? No, that one's not even. That doesn't even get them to tournaments. It just rewards um, uh, social media presence. And I yeah, mean, I, but, but, yeah. but but for the top ten players, it's you know, there's no appearance money on the PJ Tour. Yeah, but we'll give you forty million dollars to the top ten players at the end of the year. So that's just appearance money by another name. Yeah, or it's just in a in way to. Book it is. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's and it's it's not even that much compared to what they're being offered by the Saudis, and it and it was all predetermined. Yeah. Enough people have mentioned that it was determined. Tiger will get it this year, and then Rory will win the next two years. They've, it's just a scam. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, um, and they're they're probably wise not to to reveal it because it it's just already decided. Staggeringly it's, stupid concept. A staggeringly yeah, and it's just been concept. mocked. I mean, that's <laughs> the most. They'd have been better off thing. to pay under the table, wouldn't they? To call in the players they wanted to, to call in and say, "Listen, nobody ever needs to know about this. Sign this, and here's some money to stay." Yeah, the PJ. And a few been players doing even that. said that. Yeah, like, just just write them the check. Don't go yeah. through this stupid, this stupid thing with with social media. Yeah. yeah, and just just give them. If you feel you've determined these people deliver, then just write them a check. Yeah, uh, indeed. But it was amazing, and it, it it hasn't been made enough of how the tour just found that forty million bucks. 
Yeah. Just found it. Just added it. And it'll be 50 next year. 50. And yeah, yeah it's moving year. to 50. And then they added another, they doubled the Comcast Business Solutions top 10, which I know you guys are uh, always tracking closely. And it's, uh, but. And don't you, know, you, don't you get paid to play your 15 events now? You get 50 grand yeah. if you 50 show up guaranteed. for all, all, 15, all 15. Yeah. Which, again, I don't know what that, I don't really understand that one either, other than it's, I guess, a, Let's players know we're picking up some of your travel. I I, I don't know. It's uh, it's tough it's to get weird good at golf, but stuff. but well worth it. <laughs> if you got the ability, it's tough to get good at it, but fantastic if you make it, isn't it? Wow. Uh yeah. It's just it's tough, uh, as we know. You know, it's tough to to last out there now because there's just so much uh, parity and uh, the equipment brings people closer together, and and the and the launch monitors make adjustments. Easier. It's very hard to separate yourself, you know. On that conversation of the the next tiger, I still continue. I know I'm a broken record, but I'm I'm struggling to see. Uh, it's going to take somebody really special. I mean, Tiger and Phil, uh, y- y- you know how I feel. I think they're even more exceptional than mm. other greats because of the things that they've had to um, uh, adapt to yeah. in terms of technology right. over the course of their career. That yeah. that other all time greats haven't had to do that and so that makes them even more amazing and also because some of the players below them were raised to a little higher level so they i i just um you know that's the thing that i don't get the tour uh not putting more attention on is how do we make sure that the game's played in a way that that truly rewards those really special players so that we have them around for the normal or not even the normal uh career length of it used to be 20 years they should be worried about just trying to keep stars uh active and and engaged and 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 winning on the game for 10 years we'll take 10 it's very hard to do even that as we're like look at rory's showing or ricky fowler some of these players who are spieth even who've come up and and then uh, you you just kind of sense there's a uh, they're gonna have shorter windows because of the money and the injuries and the equipment well, to put the final nail in your president's cop argument coffin, Jeff, the next tiger might well be somewhere on a beach in Thailand with a piece of wood tied to a piece of metal, wanting to one day play the president's cup and developing the skills that are going to make him the next oh. Sevi or the next tiger. Right. It's the president's sure. cup that's going to do it, Jeff. Yeah, it's people, not the Masters or the U.S. People Open can't, the, people the can't see Jeff's face, or... but he's not buying that. <laughs> oh, geez, yeah. Oh, by the way, Clay, did you you were busy with the event. Did you see this? I wrote about it in my newsletter, that chintzy little move the RNA made of, of – uh, Oh, yeah, I did see that, yeah. yeah that lame. That lame. they got two events left on the tour, and they're just – I assume it was just a shot at the possibility Damn. of that – order of merit winner on the Asian tour get, being the somehow being the person who somehow is playing on the, although the the format the Asian tour will never that money list if they start this live golf investments tour that that won't be they'll be separate still so it's yeah. just I just thought that was so you know the RNA mostly makes the, all the right moves these days and it just seemed like such a chintzy it's thing to do yeah. Yeah, it it's very 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 odd and Wade Ormsby may well be the one that pays the price for that yeah because exactly. he's leading the yeah, order so of merit he's leading he's leading the order of merit at the moment yeah, yeah he's got a ten thousand dollar or whatever they're yeah, it's whatever not guaranteed but he's he, yeah I tell you what he'd, he'd be there for the last two events guaranteed of course play, yeah. if the open spot was open to make sure he hangs onto his place so he may not. It's a, 12 event calendar and, yeah. and it's not a full calendar but it's still no. a pretty good thing and, and and then if you looked i think i put the last 
But if you really go through all those players who've been that person yeah. and those people getting in the open, there's some great names there's there in terms players, of absolutely. Asian golf. Different places absolutely. from the world coming to the open. And a couple of them played well in the open. I started to go down that and I went, ah, I don't need to go through their results. But uh, I just, that, that to me, and that's the kind of thing, and I'm sorry, but that contrary to your President's Cup, those are the yeah. kinds of things that get players recognition they deserve and then credibility to these other tours and uh, and so that's the kind of that's, stuff this year i'm afraid we're going to see more of and it's uh i hope it's too, it's too weird to be straightforward jeff there's something's happening in the background there oh sure yeah it's, that's that, that that's just uh, it makes no sense it especially because no I mean, if that's the best that. you got well, that's not going to really have them quaking in their boots either that's the other part of it um so you're you're penalizing the the little guy and and like what are you getting uh, so with the agent to achieve he he described it as a declaration of war did he not by the european tour uh who did yeah the, the head of the the head of the asian tour whose name oh is. yes yes yeah yeah so that that is they are the ahead. last thing the RNA want to be responsible for is shrinking the game in Asia. I know the one part of the world that's left that already has an interest and done right, which nobody's ever done, never taken a proper interest in golf in Asia. Do it right, the benefits for the game globally could be enormous, and this is not a step in that direction. Though I completely no. agree with you, it's a, they've really put a foot wrong there. Well, and it's, it's they put so much emphasis on the world ranking, and then here's an exemption that's built on a yep. longevity over the course of yep. a season. It's a better reward. It, it, yep. it, even though it is fairly removed from the open, it's what's five months removed from you know the, the, the open but it's still in the ballpark i mean they give the top players at the end of the year in the ranking which is kind of a stupid barometer at this point too because of the wraparound but um i i just thought it was uh, a, a disappointing sign of what we may see coming huge uh, mistake exactly as you say what what 2022 might be by the end of 2022 professional golf is going to look very very different i reckon and not good. necessarily for the better and that's an indication that's a bizarre decision you're quite right that and i think we'll probably see more of them that'll probably do us i think for the moment i reckon there's going to be more state of the game episodes next year that's telling that tells you how much the game's okay. likely to change yeah. i reckon there'll be more more state of the game next year because there'll be uh, plenty more to talk about but let's wrap it up for today clay it's been fabulous to have you on board excellent tournament directing my friend will you get the job again next year is there some sort of are there key performance indicators that you had to hit when's your, your interview to, uh, to to renegotiate your salary up I mean, what percentage of the gate did you take and what about all that like, stuff like always it's the it's the guys behind the scenes you don't know about like justin and uh, peter best and all those guys who actually did all the work and they did well although i did see you sit down tapping out a column at the end of every day who's the last tournament director that did a tournament exactly. every day probably Jack? peter thompson or something. <laughs> peter thompson, yeah 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 so uh yeah. fabulous stuff look great effort clates uh hugely encouraging fantastic event i really hope that it goes on to be successful and i'm sure that it will there's some thanks. good minds there looking after it so thanks for your time today as well thanks mate and shack always great to catch up with you and uh we'll i'll, I'll keep I'll keep sort of rubbing away at this President's Cup thing. I'll wear you down eventually that you'll get on board with a, a better President's Cup, but a President's Cup being important. But thanks for your time today, mate, even though you were wrong about that. No, I'm right. I'll, I'll have to write something now and just make the case, put it in writing, what the format would be. I thought, oh, wait, maybe I already did that. I think I already yeah, did that. Oh, I've geez, done that I'm already too. forgetting. This is what happens. You forget what the, you write. So The problem is the Solheim Cup. What do you do with that if you go with a mixed event? That's a real question. But that's one for another. No, I think, another it all, I, think it, I think it could help that event. But 
I mean, it, it just makes the other ones stand out more. Anyway, you know, it's it's it, it would be positive. It would help anything to help the president's cup. So yeah. I'm just glad that Clates didn't screw up any hole locations, and yeah. I think well, he'll be back next year for. I mean, that's I George Thomas I've, screwed one up, and you know, uh, he was he was defending it in his. This is the longest defense he made in his entire book oh, over one stupid screwed up hole occasion. It can it can uh, ruin your career, Rod. Well, here's what I forgot about this. Sitting in the media center, Uh-oh. I think it was on, on uh-huh. day one. No, and tre- Trevor Hurden came in and said he was a bit concerned about the uh, the women's tea on the 18th, mm. I think, at Kingston Heath with the way the wind was blowing. And Clayton said, well, let's go out and fix it. And the two of them left the room. Nice year, it got fixed. That's how a tournament should be run. We moved it up. Here's a problem. Let's sort it out. There you go. You well, how many had up. gone through? No one. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> and, and and between you and me. And the people one, listening. And the, and the audience, yes. <laughs> <laughs> one place is actually rethinking here. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to hold that thought till I say goodbye, Clates? <laughs> I shall do that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, our poor. We'll listeners. say goodbye, and we'll have some sort of a GoFundMe. The person that pays the most might get to find out what Clades told us after we press the stop on the record button. That is episode 118 of State of the Game. Keep an eye out. We'll be back to do it all again. I think sooner than we normally do. Here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a Talk and Golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.